every single marketer and every single brand should be attempting to earn a disproportionate share of conversation. If you work for an organization where they say, bring us a chart that goes up and to the right, you have a challenge. Half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. The trouble is, I don't know which half. I am here to inspire you, to excite you, to motivate you, to transform you, to energize you. Hello and welcome to Pipeline Visionaries. This episode features an interview with Celia Flyshaker, the CMO at iSolved, a trusted human capital management leader that provides software and services to meet the needs of HR professionals. Through their partner network, iSolved reaches more than 5 million employees and 145,000 employers across all 50 states in the U.S. In this episode, Celia shares with us how they are investing in and amplifying their engaged community, as well as how their focus on relationships and primary research supports their marketing efforts. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Qualified. If you're a revenue team that runs your business on Salesforce, Qualified will accelerate your lead generation, pipeline, and ultimately revenue. Learn more at qualified.com. And now, please enjoy this interview between Celia Flyshaker, CMO at iSolved, and your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Pipeline Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios, and today I am joined by a special guest. Celia, how are you? Great, Ian. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to have you on the show, chat marketing, chat iSolved, and everything in between. And today's show is as always, it's brought to you by our friends at Qualified. You can go to qualified.com to learn more about the number one conversational sales and marketing platform for companies' revenue teams that use Salesforce. Head over to qualified.com to learn more. Okay, Celia, first question. What was your first job marketing? I did not take a traditional route into marketing. I was an EA for a VP of marketing at a startup. And just so got really exposed to what marketing was. And he's like, you should really do this thing. (laughs) You should get more involved in marketing. And so that led me down a path and worked my way into marketing. So I started as an EA. And and now a multi-time CMO and the CMO of of iSolved. Who would have thunk it? But here you are making your CMO fingerprints seen all over the tech world. There you go. No, it's been great. It's yeah. This is my fourth time in CMO, it's, um, and I and I've loved it. I've you know spent a lot of time, I'll say, in B two B tech, and it's been fun. Coming into the the fourth time for for CMO, anything sort of different that you you approach coming in this time? You know, this is was really I think how I looked for opportunities this time was maybe different because you know going in like you want to be at a company that really appreciates marketing because companies look at it differently. And so how that CEO, how that exec team really views what they want out of marketing was really important to me. I had the added benefit coming to iSolve that I knew some of the team and kind of knew what they were like to work with. So culture fit was important to me, but it's just been great. I've been on board a couple months now and um, still ramping up, obviously still lots to learn, but it's been really good. Yeah, such a cool company, such a cool brand, and I'm excited to dig in. Tell us a little bit about the scope of your role as CMO. Yeah, it's full stock. So what you kind of expect from a a CMO role, all of the solutions, marketing, messaging, positioning, all the demand and the brand, customer advocacy and content, corporate, 
And then all, all to support iSolved, right? So iSolved builds HCM technology, human capital management, or everyone's familiar with our HR department, right? Like we, we support the heroes of the HR department and in 170,000 businesses across the U.S. So if you think about it, it's about 7 million, I think, employees that we touch with our solutions. And then we love it. I mean, helping out people and employee experience, it's, it's been great. So, so cool. And we'll get into all that marketing here in our next segment, The Trust Tree. With the knowledge you've been given, you are now on the inside of what I like to call the circle of trust. What, I thought we were in the trust tree with, in the nest, are we not? Where we go and feel honest and trusted and you can share those deepest, darkest pipeline secrets. <laughs> so what types of customers do you have at iSolved? So they range, it could be a handful of employees up to a few thousand employees and they span a number of industries. It could be small manufacturers, quick serve restaurants, professional services firms, and we're working with them, like I said, to recruit, retain, develop talent. And, and we supply not just the technology to help them do that, but services and things as well. And those buying committees obviously vary extremely greatly. Um, but how do you think about, you know, those buying committees? Yeah, and it's definitely a committee. You know, in those smaller companies, you may not even have a formalized HR function. You might be selling to an office manager or someone that has multiple responsibilities. A lot of times the owner is going to get involved in those. And then as you get up into those larger organizations, you've got a head of HR, a chief people officer, and then there are different people within HR you might be selling to. So you might be selling to a VP of talent or learning and development or recruitment. So the committee can vary depending on the type of company, size of company that you're going after. I know it's a big question. You could probably spend an hour talking about it, but but what is your marketing strategy sort of at a, at a top level? We're a growth company. And so we're definitely focused on acquisition of, of, of new logos and then certainly expansion within the customers that we have. If you think about the base that we have of the 170,000, how do we expand? We've seen our platform expand. How do we build out and expand within those customers? It's a big opportunity for us. And then from a new logo acquisition, whether it's directly, we also work through a really nice partner channel as well, building that out. And a lot of the growth and expansion is, is built through, and we'll talk about how we think about our customer community, customer experience, and, and the advocates we have. We've, we've done a lot to build that community, build on the experience that we deliver, and it, it pays back, which is nice. So it's kind of a full circle piece. Yeah, it really, I, I love the community stuff and I'm excited to dig into that. And how do you think about, you know, creating demand within that? Yeah, I think this has been such like a, a hot topic around marketing lately. Like people kind of like from a demand creation perspective, they're like, no, you're harvesting demand or no, whatever. Right. You know, we're, we're still pushing on the demand front to drive demand, but we're, we are being a lot smarter about it, trying to engage a customer, a prospect where they are looking at things like intent a lot to drive and determine our next best step with the targets that we have. But a demand, I mean, it obviously features really prominently in it. And I think just building out more and more sophistication with how we want to go to market and 
and find our companies that are looking for the solutions that we have to offer, who's in market, understanding what they're looking for and kind of meeting them where they are is how we think about it. I love it. All right, let's get to our next segment, the playbook. This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. Where you open up that playbook and talk about the tactics that help you win. What are your three channels or tactics that are your uncuttable budget items? So I mentioned community and customer advocacy. And this for us is just one of those things we want to grow and grow and invest in and believe there's such an opportunity here. We launched a People Heroes community and have been working on that. We've got, you know, we're approaching 5,000 People Heroes in our community. Wow. And this year alone, we issue challenges, right? Whether it's social or reference or, or, you know, asking them questions, learning from them. We've had 128,000 challenges that they've completed. Wow. This year alone. Yeah. Yeah. That's, inc- and, um, that's incredible. It's great. And it's it's this level of engagement you're not going to get through other channels. And so for us, building that community, we've just got this amazing team who works on it, building that community, keeping up that engagement and fostering those relationships has been really important. We just we just want to see it grow. It's it's absolutely something we wouldn't want to cut and we want to build on more and more. Other areas, influencer strategy is one of those areas that we're really working on a lot. You know, we've we've expanded what we're doing with traditional analysts, certainly. We've got the PR programs you'd expect, but HR in particular, I think, has there's so many people out there that are influencing the space, talking about the space, people strategies and employee experience are such big topics right now that we want to make sure that we're working with influencers, building those relationships that helps us from a brand and awareness perspective. And we're putting a lot of focus there. And I think the other piece, not so much, I wouldn't say it necessarily a channel, but content is really something we produce a lot of content, but we're investing more and more of it. And then a lot of primary research that we're developing, Mm. we've found that it certainly helps us from a coverage perspective and things, but it also helps us build this point of view when we go and talk with our our customers and our prospects that is unique because it's our our research that we've done across these different audiences. It, it lets them understand what their peers are thinking, and we continue to build out and invest in primary research that helps us drive that thought leadership side of things. I love the primary research stuff. It's one of my favorite things. I think it's super underinvested. And I know we can't like, you know, invest in everything, but when it comes to like creating, like I think we spend so much time creating content right. rather than like actually doing the research and developing unique points of view on things and and stuff that only way I always say my because I was in the army, it's fight where you can win, right? Is like like okay. fight where you can win to me in marketing is always like, what do we have that nobody else has? And like first party information like that is the way to go. I think so. I mean, you're exactly like that is the battle you can win and you and you're you're building things that, you know, your audience is interested in. It's from their point of view, not you just building, building something that they may or may not find interesting. And so we've 
we always get a good reaction to it and we learn a lot internally because it shapes not just the content we're building, but our messaging and what we're doing externally across all of our different channels. Yeah. Going back to community for a sec. So you come into the organization as CMO with a community that's already engaged, which is like, I mean, music to any CMOs ears, right? Like, uh, (laughs) oh, I don't have to build this thing from scratch. And so I'm curious, like, Coming into that, how did you think about like, okay, how do we take this to the next level? How do we create more engagement? How do we tell more customer stories? Like, yeah, what was your thought process? Yeah, so my the, one of the interesting things, the first full week I had on the job with the team was at the customer conference. Oh, wow. And, oh, yeah. And so you show up and there are, you know, lots of people there, both. So I got to meet the team, a lot of in-person stuff, but then you meet all these customers and then you're spending time. Like I was doing a lot of meetings with analysts as well. And, and the stories that you're hearing and analysts, which are typically, you know, they, they hold back, they kind of cards close to the best. And and we would be meeting with people and there. They'd be like, Oh my gosh, your customers are so passionate. Like <laughs> we're trying to find someone who doesn't like you. And, and like, it's just, as a CMO, exactly. You walk into that situation, you're like, that's normally, to me, that's the foundation you build on. If you've got customers that are happy and they are not afraid to talk about it, that's a huge challenge typically when you come into a role or just how you're going to build awareness and recognition. And, And that's not our case here. It's just, it's not a case of coming in where you're fixing. It's goodness, don't break it. Right. <laughs> and then how do you build upon it? Because the community itself is this great piece where we're trying to figure out, okay, how do we just strengthen that and build more people into it? Bring them in. Because it's not just about them interacting with us. It's they're going peer to peer a lot and learning what others are doing. And then just how do we raise the awareness like we want our, our sales teams, people that are like, how, what stories can they tell? How do they talk about how they're solving these challenges? Because the issues in HR are pretty universal when you talk about them, where, you know, whether they're, you know, how am I attracting talent, retaining talent and, and getting people to share that, how they're using our solutions to help them do that. But just in general, how they're performing better as an organization, it's, it's a huge opportunity. And so that, that, figures into what we're doing from a strategy perspective in marketing and sales across the board. Yeah. One of the things that helped me reframe marketing sort of in the, in the sort of current marketing like landscape or environment is just thinking about how like marketing, part of marketing's job is to help your customers tell their stories better and get those out in front of more people and then create opportunities where they can tell other people about that experience. Right. And it's like, that's what community is doing. That's what content is doing. That's what digital series are doing. That's what, you know, event series are doing. And it's like all of that of like creating connections and then amplifying stories. And like, if you get away from sort of the old, the old way, and it's like the more you can do that, especially with y'all where you have 170,000 customers. I mean, like, there's so many stories to tell that you, you know, you could spend a lifetime and not tell them all. And we're working to build into the product, like systematic ways where they can track their ROI so that over time they're seeing what the payback, because HR, I mean, sometimes like it's, 
I, I related to marketing. Marketing, it's my pet peeve when people are like, oh, you can make it pretty. I'm like, damn it, we do so much more than that. <laughs> but with HR, it's like, oh, you take care of our people. And HR has had this issue really, we've talked about is breaking the glass ceiling from an employee experience perspective, showcasing the strategic value that HR has. And I think if we can help our, our customers do that inside with those business owners, understanding what it means to the bottom line when you're able to attract better talent, when you're retaining your talent or your attrition rates are lower than your competition and, and working with them to be able to provide those analytics, that ROI, so that they can showcase it internally. It's part of the making them heroes aspect of, of the role that we talk about. One of the things that because you all have so many products and services and there's so many different things that you do for so many different like types of companies, mm -hmm. I'm curious, like, how do you think about sort of so much possibility there? Yeah, it's funny. We just got out of a, a week or so last week of all these workshops, like trying to figure out where the opportunity is, where the impact can be made from a services perspective, from a product perspective. And, you know, it's done in conjunction with what we believe, where we think the opportunity is. HR, there are a lot, there's a lot that's compliance driven that drives a lot of opportunity that we want to be on top of and are on top of. But then also from an, a customer perspective, it comes back to, you know, we talked about the primary research, we've got the advisory boards going, we're talking to the community to get their input so that we are, are kind of pulling that together. And then choosing to focus. We recognize there's a lot we could do, but we know that here are the top three or four things we've got to do to be successful for, for our customers, but also for the company. What about one thing that you are maybe thinking about that experimental 10% budget, something yeah. that, that you're investing in that that's your, your crazy ideas or, or something like that? I don't know if I call it crazy. It is the things that we're, we're looking at some stuff that we haven't maybe leveraged as much, but we're kind of treading lightly, right? Like in app opportunities, mm. there's a lot of opportunity to market to them in the application. We want to be really careful about yeah. that, who we're touching, how we're touching them, not overstepping. And so really thinking about what, what the options are and then how we do that in a way that's, that's beneficial to everyone involved is really important. So that's, that's something newer for us. And it, again, it's something we've, we've kind of worked, known we can do some of it, but trying to figure out what's that right, how far do you go with that without overstepping? I think it's such a fine line inside the app. And for some apps, it's fine for, for an enterprise app, I don't know. And then experience is, is something where we're putting a lot more. We've talked a lot about experience from the standpoint of community and advocacy, but we, I don't know, we, we named a chief experience officer recently, which I love. Mm, love it. Phenomenal and knows our customer base and then knows our people. And so we've made a big investment in how do we drive a better employee, partner, and customer experience. And she's working to build out a, a full strategy around each of those so that so that we have, I mean, it starts with people, right? Our people, our customers, and then our partners. And we're, we're working to make sure we understand and measure what their experience is, that we build pathways to make sure it's improving 
and then just continue. We feel like we've got an edge with what we've done, but we know there's so much more we can do. And so we're, we're pretty excited about that. What about one thing that you maybe you're not investing in or is fading away? We, I think I joked about it earlier, like that hard, hard push on demand. Like we're, we obviously have a, a BD team and they're doing calling. I, that push on just pure cold calling, I think it's just not something that works. I never pick up my phone. I'll just oh say, my right, gosh. Right? Never. Like, <laughs> I look at it all the time. I'm like, no, no, that's not. So I just, I think stuff like that is just, it, it's more about the listening, meeting them where they are understanding your customer more and, and that, but, but leaving behind some of the harsher tactics that, that were there before. Preach on it. <laughs> I am a hundred percent in agreement. Yeah. Asking for permission is, is the way to go. Huge. Yeah. We don't want to, nobody wants to be sold to that way. Nobody, nobody wants to be called five times. Yeah. yeah. Nobody wants that. People are like, well, but what if that person calling is, is going to offer you some, you know, great thing. And I'm like, if it's that great, you better figure out another way to get in front of me than calling my phone. Like, yeah. And if you need it, you're going to go look for it. Right. In some way you're going to show some signal that you need it. It's, it's just hard to believe that someone could call right at that time that you've just decided to purchase something new. Yeah. And yeah. And interrupt your day. I mean, that's why, and this is why the great people qualified have such an amazing product because like part of the thing is when you go to someone's website, when you're ready to do that, if you're in that moment and you're like, Hey, right now I am looking for your thing. I want to talk to someone about buying it right this second. And like, that's what's, you know, shout out to the good people qualified, but like, that's really exciting to me. The opposite of that is getting cold called. Yeah, no, you're right. And you exactly. I agree. Obviously. Yeah. Speaking of that, how do you view your website? Our website? I mean, for me, and this has been any role that I've, I've been in, uh, the website is is the face to the organization. Most of the companies I've been with, they're not big, I'll say big brand companies where you're just investing a ton externally in brand. And so the website tends to be where people encounter you first. And, and so for me, getting that right is, is really important. And we've done a, a lot right here at ISOBD. And I think there's always opportunity to do more. So for us, you know, having it adequately convey who we are as an organization and what we can do for people is, is, is really important. And, and I think we're, we're doing that some, we've got work to do. I, I think it holds a lot of opportunity for us. Any trends that are coming that you're excited about or, or things that you're following? Um, for me, this kind of goes with a little bit of what we've talked about in, in, in my background as well. I, I think there's such a cool convergence between customer experience and marketing. And, and I think they are just continuing to get closer and closer. Variant where I was before I worked in the CX space, and it, we saw it there a lot. A lot of our customers realizing the power of taking customer experience, customer service information, and blending that from a marketing perspective, and the amount of data that you get that really points to what you need to be doing for your customers, where they are at a relationship point with you, and that's what I think with the CXO role, the customer experience role here, taking that, looking at that from customer service perspective, from a marketing perspective, and pulling things together to look holistically is what is it that we can do both internally and externally to drive a better experience? And how is that going to benefit 
yes, our customers and the satisfaction that they have, but from a marketing perspective, there's so much opportunity to better understand what your customers are going through and it, and it just puts you in this better position. So I, I, I think it's a very cool thing that's happening that you're seeing more and more discussion about experience and in, in marketing together. And I think it just, it keeps going. It's, it's data game. I think mm-hmm. understanding what's happening with your customers, but when you get that right, you're just at this elevated position in terms of how you're going to talk to them and interact with them. And it, it, it's a, it can be a big win. I love it. I, I think, I think customer experience is one of the areas of, of marketing that is, well, literally not an area of marketing and also <laughs> something that we, <laughs> we need to be focused on more. And the reason why, and I know we can't focus on everything, but I think it's really important to think about experience because in today's day and age, you know, it's been said, no, I didn't think of this, but like, your customer experience is your brand. Like that actually is your brand, right? And so how people perceive it or how how they interact with it. And I think your content experience is your brand. I think your sales yeah. experience is your brand. Like how you buy, how you onboard, how you know, how you renew. Do are you the person that doesn't email them for eleven and a half months and then says the renewal coming up? Like, or are you sort of with them every step of the way? But I think it's an opportunity for marketers to find those little, you know, the quote unquote moments that matter and market those, you know, like, Hey, month two and a half when, you know, people stopped using the app as much. And like, here's, you know, Hey, the team was proactively did X, Y, Z. And it really helped us like drive a lot more adoption. And now it's going great. Like market those moments, tell those stories when things are going bad and you turn it around rather than just sort of like, the buy, 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 you know, sort of thing. I was talking with someone in the past and it was a, an exact, and I was talking about, I, talked, I was like, how do you work with different reps that you have? Tell me what's different. What do you like? But I, and it was really interesting. He was talking about the fact that, look, this one company, yes, I talked to them and they are great at writing an order. Like, <laughs> no issues. he goes, but you know who I pick up the phone for? It's the person who calls me. And we talk, you know, every other week, but it's, they call me with an idea for my business or they call me to tell me this customer's done this. Have you tried this? And then, yeah, I do buy more from them. I I end up buying more because I trust them, but it's exactly what you said. It's that sales approach. That's more about how do I deliver a consistent, like value driven set of conversations that, I trust them. They build credibility and I, and I want to invest more with them. Yeah. I mean, cause we make a big investment when we buy something and we want to make sure that, that we're getting the most out of it. Like that's, you know, you, you buy the nice car, you want to get, get miles on those tires. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. And I think especially from like an HR perspective, we, again, back to the primary research, like the number one people reason people leave a lot of times if there's a payroll mistake, right? Yeah can't afford to have that happen. And so making sure that you're delivering the right experience for them, that you're delivering it accurately on time is so important. You know, I had a, I had a really interesting insight the other day. We had just launched a new podcast for one of our customers and, and I hopped on, on a, on a call with him. Cause I wanted to just like hear out when and see how, you know, everything was going. Cause it's a pretty stressful time to launch a series, especially if like one of your C-level execs is like starring in the show. I bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I just want to talk through it. And one of the things that came out 
was I was like, hey, you know, it seemed like launch really went well. And like, congrats, like this is a really good launch. But I'm like, we just ran, you know, the first hundred meters of the marathon, like pretty quick. And like, <laughs> don't worry about it. Because if you had walked the first hundred meters, like it's not going to affect our time on the marathon. And he was like, oh, I'm so glad that you said that because everything in my marketing world is always about launch. Like in tech, the yeah. product launch, how hard it hits, how many people engage, like everything is launch, 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 but building a series is like the exact opposite. It's like, you know, it is about consistent, repeatable growth over time, not about making a huge splash in that exact moment. And he was just like, I'm just, it's just really refreshing to hear that. I'm like, geez, I should be telling this to more people. And I, and I, and I often don't do that. And I probably should. I love that because it, it mirrors so much like that shift from on-prem to SaaS, right? Where it was always about the big sale, the sale that you make and you're kind of done there, right? Until the yeah. renewal comes around. But now it's, it's a relationship that you're building over time. It's the marathon. It isn't that sprint. That's yeah. Celebrating mile 10. Yeah. Of like, wow. You know, one of the things that, that we wanted to do, which we still haven't done, but we, we, we mocked this. So again, I probably need to do this is like, we wanted to make like a really big deal out of people getting to like their first 10,000 listeners or first hundred thousand listeners or first million or, you know, things like that. And especially in marketing where so many of the things that we do don't get heralded at milestones right? Because it's just launch and then next launch and then next like campaign is doing well. Okay. What's the ROI? What's this? But like actually creating certain tests, especially if like in a series or things like that, where like, you know, that's a crazy, like y'all hitting 5,000 people in your community. Like that's amazing. Like that is such a crazy high number. <laughs> and like that stuff is so cool and should be celebrated. Yeah. And anyways, uh, we, we probably need yeah, to do I love a better that. It's about recognition. Yeah. Enjoy the journey kind of thing. Yeah. Let's get to our next segment, the dust up. Uh-oh. Here comes trouble. You may have heard that there was a dust up involving yours truly. And now we've got a wild scrum with fights breaking out all over the place. And it is getting really ugly as we've got punches and kicks. Where we talk about healthy tension, whether that's with your board, your sales teams, your competitors, or anyone else. Have you had a memorable dust up in your career? Just one? or. <laughs> <laughs> I think marketing in general can get into them, right? Because you have so many interfaces, whether it's with sales, with finance, like you said, with the board or your CEO. And, and I think there's always a healthy tension there. And I'm good with that. I think for me, this, this is a few companies ago, but I was just having a back and forth with the CFO around how I was talking about marketing success. Hmm. And, and they were just like, but no, I don't, this isn't, I don't speak in those terms. <laughs> like, I don't care about this. And so we literally, we just sat in a conference room, the two of us, and we had paper in front of us. It was like, okay, here's what I'm showing you. He goes, yeah, but this is what I want to see. And it literally like evolving, like, what is it that you need? And we, we landed on some, some pipe charts and things but like here's your delta here's what you built here's what's gone away in the pipe like drawing it out by hand and then oh and he's like I get this like this totally and I'm like okay well I can I can produce this if this is in it and then that's that's what went forward with the board like that's what we use going forward and, and to see I mean a lot of board members come from a finance background and they were like oh 
Yeah. So you're not talking to them about MQLs. You're not talking to them about this funnel in their terms is what have you brought to the pipe? What have you closed out for me? What have you lost and why? And it was, it sounded so simple when we got to them results and it was, you know, worked our way through it. But in the end it was, it worked, right? They understood what we were delivering. I understood how to show that. It was good. But I do think you end up and if you're not having, whether it's a dust step or just a disagreement, then I don't think you're pushing enough, right? Like I think something's wrong if you're not having some tension there with all these different functions. It it made me think of something that maybe I I, I need to try with with the, the finance people in the future. We're like, have them walk through the last thing that they bought and how it all went down. <laughs> when was the last, like, w- like when did yeah. you first hear about this? Have you consumed any content related to this? Did you research it? Who else did you talk to? I mean, like, it's almost like all of these different touch points are all very important to the way that you buy something. And it's pretty hard to measure the impact that that single thing had on you. But it's like they they often just like don't understand that things don't work as if like a very binary, like I am buying the software now, like you know, versus you know, like, there's shades to like, they might choose it because the one rep is just nicer to them. Like yeah. it can get that crazy, you know, we're very emotional people. I like that. It puts them kind of in your shoes about thinking about that journey and how they went through it and experienced it, what we deliver. Yeah. Cause it is, it is complex how you go about that. Yeah. That's a fun one. I like that you, you physically had to draw it out. That's great. <laughs> but it works well in the end, but yeah, I mean, typically I'm like, Oh, you know, you bring your facts, you work through it and stuff, but I brought pictures and it worked out fine. Okay. Let's get to our next, uh, our final segment, quick hits. These are quick questions and quick answers. Just like how qualified.com helps companies generate pipeline quickly, tap into your greatest asset, your website, to identify your most valuable visitors, like those CFOs lurking around on your website, and instantly start sales conversations quick and easy. Just like these questions, go to qualified.com to learn more. Celia, are you ready for quick hits? I am ready. Number one, do you have a hidden talent or skill that's not on your resume? I'm a freakishly fast jigsaw puzzle worker. And no, it's not on my resume, but I Ooh, love you, it. We <laughs> need to bring you on the next family vacation. Knock out those. <laughs> knock out those. <laughs> the excitement in our family. You can tell about the level. <laughs> do you get crazy with it? Do you ever do like the circle ones or like the ones where it's like there's no edges or? I do like those. They are harder. I do like the ones I haven't done are like the 3D ones. Those kind of freak me out. Okay. What about a favorite book, podcast, TV show that you're checking out that you'd recommend? I feel like I should sound smart and name a book or something, but we're binging Billions right now, which I hadn't seen. I'm kind of loving it. Oh, fun. Favorite non-marketing hobby that maybe indirectly makes you a better marketer? Okay. it's I shouldn't put it under the hobby. I will never hear the end of this for my kids, but I think being a mom... <laughs> 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 a better marketer. If you think about you're having to divide your time, you've got to prioritize if, like all the things you have to do. 
I probably can't can't claim it as much now. My kids are in grad school, but I do. I think it changed how I looked at work perspective and just how I approach things. I love it. Couldn't agree more. I mean, I'm a dad, but same same <laughs> diff somewhat in, in the universe of close. If you were not in marketing or business at all, what do you think you'd be doing? I looked and I'm not able to be like a spy anymore. I'm too old. So I wouldn't be doing mm-hmm. that. But I'd be a librarian. I would. I love books, which I know I don't have a lot of credibility with it because I talked about TV shows I'm binging, but I'd be a librarian. I think it'd be super fun. It's exactly what a spy would say. Right. <laughs> How do I know you're not one? <laughs> what is your best advice for a first-time CMO? I think two things. One, network with other CMOs and people outside your organization that have been there and done that. I think mm-hmm. it's always good. But then find an advocate in the C-suite, an advocate, not just a mentor, someone that's going to kind of prop you up when you're not in the room because you're a first-time C-level and you know they're going to talk about you. And you want someone in there supporting you and then giving you the, the strong feedback you need to make you better. And I, I really benefited from that I, when I first became a CMO. It was actually a female CFO that was just phenomenal. And she gave me the hard talks if things didn't go well in a board meeting, but she also advocated for me when I wasn't there. And it made a huge difference in my experience the first couple of years. Amazing. That's all we got for today, Celia. It's been absolutely wonderful having you on the show. For our listeners, you can go to I Solved hcm.com to learn more about the company, to learn about People Heroes World and all the cool stuff they're doing there. And if your company, you know, is looking for HR solutions, check them out. Any final thoughts or anything to plug? Hey, you did it for me. No, thank you. I appreciate it. I, I love the conversation and really enjoyed it. So thank you so much. Thanks again to our friends at qualified.com, a conversational sales and marketing platform that transforms the way B2B companies sell. Go to qualified.com to learn more.